Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? I'm intern Joe. This is Talking Tuesday Nights. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Yuva, who will be on in just one second. There he is. Mike, how we doing, big dog? Doing well, Joe. How we doing tonight, bud? Doing good, man. Doing good. And, you know, in the, still trying to catch up from spring break with classes and everything, but, you know, running around like crazy. But we're here, man. We're, we're here. We are Enjoy here. it. Enjoy it while you can, man. Yeah, try the last hurrah for you. Uh, and speaking about last hurrah, this is the last hurrah for guys like to carry on Joiner, who we had an opportunity to hear from yesterday. We'll recap what some of the offensive players had to say. Plus, Shane Beamer spoke again on Tuesday. It was a, it was a one of those press conferences that I don't know how much more really. Shane was going to be able to tell us that we didn't know already know about the team. There were some things, though, that were, you know, raise your eyebrows a little bit. And then going back to last week, too, had a chance to be able to catch up with some of the coordinators. So we'll hit on that, um, and we'll be able to kind of just truck along. Uh, so with that being said, intern Joe, this is where things lie. We are at day four of practices in the books. USC completed that today. The offense, I know that's something that everyone wants to talk about. Oh, yeah. Beamer hinted at some things today. And on top of that, I'll touch on some things that I was told over the last couple of days. I understand anytime you have a new offensive coordinator, anytime, especially after what USC went through the last two years, I understand the hope, the desire to see a brand new looking offense. It's not that I don't feel like, and I know we kind of hit on this last week. It's not that I don't feel like we'll, we'll see changes because I feel like how USC is approaching it, it's going to make it look night and day different. But schematically, I feel like what USC is trying to do, I feel like it's pretty much going to be the same. I feel like how they execute things are going to be different. And as Beamer mentioned today, they want to still be able to have that fast-paced tempo offense. They still want to be able to do a lot of things that they were able to do well last year, and I feel like just in general tried to do last season, but they weren't able to do it consistently. Yeah, Mike, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what this offense looks like under Dowell Loggins. I know it's going to you know look relatively similar with the pro-style offense. We know that. Um, but I mean, you have a lot of new face, newer faces in there. Um, you know, obviously you're returning your two biggest weapons on offense, your quarterback and your wide receiver and juice Wells and Spencer Rattler. But I mean, the rest of it is kind of, you know, a toss up. You lost your entire tight end room, but you're also getting, you know, a bunch of different guys like Trey Knox. You're going to get Nicholas Harbor and, you know, you have to carry on Joyner in there. And I, I love the question from big red, whether he's going to play 
running back, wide receiver, quarterback, or a bit of them all. Um, I, I personally, Big Red, I can see him doing it everything right i think we saw that in the in the bowl game i you know we saw the to carry on package and how much it threw notre dame for the loop and you know i he's just so versatile as a player he really is and so i i think we're gonna see a lot of him all across the field and i think we're gonna see a little bit more of him or at least that's you know gonna be the goal as the season starts it might progress into a lesser role as, as they go on i obviously hope not because to carry on such a good person but uh you know mike this offense is going to be really fun to watch. I have very high hopes for Dowell. Um, and, you know, I, I'm from everything that we've heard, the players and Shane talk about this offense, you know, there's a lot of excitement in the building. And, mm -hmm. you know, when there's excitement inside the building, it makes me excited to kind of see what they can roll out. And, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, we saw what happened last year when there, when there are high hopes and, and, you know, through the first couple of weeks they get dashed, but I don't know this doesn't feel inauthentic to me. It, it, it really feels like, you know, everyone inside the building is, is loving what Dowell's putting together and loving what they're seeing with, you know, not, not only, you know, from Spencer, but from everybody kind of coming together as a cohesive unit. Um, so I, I mean, Mike, I'm really excited. Everyone else inside the building is excited and it's rubbing off for sure um, around, you know, Columbia and everywhere else. Oh, one thing too, kind of going with Big Red said, mentioned tight end. I think Colin was joking around and asked him that uh, yesterday, saying, uh, "You planning on playing some tight end to check off all your boxes on your bingo card?" And yeah. Joiner's expression was kind of like, "You know, what are you, what are you talking about?" Um, you know, so I, I say that because again, Joiner will play basically wherever they need him to. I'm excited to see what can be with him being in that running back room. Uh, because, look, as we've mentioned many times before, when he's on the field, when he has the ball in his hands, even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, the presence that he brings, the eyeballs, the attention, anytime he steps on the field, you have to know where he is at all times. We, we know that. We saw that in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. We've seen it going back to even last season at times, right? You mentioned the Notre Dame game, the packages that USC was able to implement to be able to get him the ball. But even when he wasn't getting the ball, just the attention it brought his way. So, again, what does the running back room look like come week one? I don't know. I think it's it's too premature to say, oh, yeah, Joyner's going to be uh, – not that I'm saying that, that people feel like, all right, he's going to be running back one, right? He's going to be the starting running back. I, I don't even know if I want to go as far to say that he'll be the, the number two bat guy. You know, I want I want to yeah. see what Mario Anderson can do this spring. I want to see what Dontavious Braswell can do once he arrives here. Uh, I want to be able to see what other guys in that running back room who a lot of those running backs right now, they're walk-ons. Okay. That running back room is mainly made up of walk-ons. We know that other than Juju. And then again, like the, the majority of that room is walk-ons. So yep. I say that because what does that room look like? Come August. Does South Carolina hit the portal, which from everything that I've been told, they're not specifically – there's – put it this way. There are players that have either entered the portal or are about to enter the portal, okay, in the next coming weeks. Mm -hmm. And some of those players have already reached out to USC. They've already told them, hey, coach, you know, just want to let you know, you know, I'm going to be in the portal, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I say that because USC is prepared, not just running back, USC is prepared once that second portal window opens up to dig deep into it. I promise you that. 
Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, it's definitely going to be a running back. It's definitely going to be this position. It's definitely going to be that. We've hit on some of those positions before, right? We understand that running back is a need. We understand that the defensive back room, even though they're returning guys, when you talk about depth, when you talk about edge, when you talk about linebacker, when you talk about even maybe an offensive line standpoint from a depth perspective, every position for the most part is wide open when it comes to the portal. But as far as the joiner situation right now, I, I just think, again, just think about this intern, Joe. Mm-hmm. You have Rattler out there in a shotgun, and you have Joyner out there next to him in the running back. Just think about the fits. Think about the freaking nightmares if you're a defensive coordinator having to prepare for that. Oh, yeah, Mike. And, I mean, it's, it's, it is nightmares. Um, and, again, like I said, we saw it whenever the Joyner package would come in. And I think Dowell's licking his chops when he's saying that. And then he also has a – a guy like Nicholas Harbor and, and a lot of the untapped guys that, you know, really haven't, you know, proved themselves in the SEC. And, and he's been, you know, talking about that in his pressers too. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot this offense can do. And I think Dowell knows that. And I think it helps too from him coming from the pro level where offenses are so complex and so, you know, there's so many different packages and so many different sets and so many different things you can run. I think, you know, that is certainly a benefit because you can put defenses through, you know, loops and twists and turns and all kinds of stuff, but just the way you're lining up, you know, this, the play dynamic could be similar, you know, what you're running could be really similar, but I mean, I think, you know, overall it's, it's definitely to your benefit when you have this many new faces, obviously you've got your quarterback and and juice wells, like I said, but when you have this many guys that, you know, haven't really played together or uh, you know, proven themselves with this squad. It's not like a returning guy. And the the guy that I think of, especially at running back, if we want to talk running backs, is Chris Rodriguez, right, mm. from Kentucky. And where I'm going with this is, like, Chris Rodriguez broke out for over 1,000 yards um, two years ago. And so last year, granted, he was suspended for a couple of games. But once he got back onto the field, teams knew what his game was. They knew exactly what Kentucky was going to try to do with him. And, you know, they shut it down. I mean, granted, he did go for a decent chunk of yards, but he wasn't the Chris Rodriguez of old. And so I think with as many, uh, you know, new guys and new faces in this offense, I think it's, you know, certainly plays to USC's benefit because, you know, there's so many different things you can do. And with a new offensive coordinator, too, you – I mean, it's endless, Mike. The possibilities are endless what they could do on offense. And again, we know they're going to try to stick with that pro style of offense, um, especially because Dowell has, you know, background in the NFL and whatnot. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I just think there's so many different looks that they can do. And um, talking about the running backs, I think obviously you have Juju, you have Mario Anderson. We saw what they did last year with, you know, they kind of played two, three running backs. And granted, Marshawn Lloyd and, and, and Christian Beal Smith were banged up. But, I mean, I, I think you could see – it's going to be by committee, I think, um, for the most oh, part. Absolutely. Until, absolutely. until one guy gets, you know, really going. Unless one guy starts to break out, like kind of like Marshawn did um, in the last year of the Muschamp era, I believe it was, when he had his breakout year. Um, it was like – it's just, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be by committee until – one guy proves that, you know, he's that dude. But I mean, personally, I don't think there will be. And I think a lot, there will be a lot of help. It will be by committee because they're also different, right? Mike, like mm-hmm. Juju smaller, quicker, and, you know, can get to the outside with elite speed. Meanwhile, Mario Anderson's more, you know, typical, like Marshawn Lloyd between the tackles, put your head down and just 
running up the middle. You know, there's so many different, you know, characters in that running back room. And I think with the loss of Lavoisier Carroll, you have to go out and get a guy in the portal. And also, too, depending on what, what else happens, if, if a, is a running back going to leave for the portal? We don't know yet. Um, but, I mean, there's just – there's so many options at running back. There's It just adds to the number of things you can do with this offense. It's it's quite ridiculous, Mike, in my opinion. Well, and in, and in turn, Joe, we talked about this beforehand. Um, yeah. I do want to bring up one of the sound bites. I know we talked about this. That um, I'll, I'll grab. I'll grab one of the sound bites gotcha. for us for today because it, it goes into some of the things that I was told about the offense, and I want to set this up. So I asked Shane today, "What has been the biggest thing that he's heard in terms of feedback from the player players?" Right, because naturally, at this point of the year. We can sit here and be like, all right, Shane, what's different with the offense? He's not going to come out and say, what's the point of him doing that right now? What's the point of him saying, all right, this is what we're doing differently from last year. It's just, it, it's not going to benefit them. But if you're in the media, if you're a fan, if you're an outsider, you want to know what the hell is going on in the kitchen, right? You want to know what's going on behind the blind. So being able to ask him that and knowing, okay, maybe we could find a way to be able to get around to be able to hear, uh, hear him say something. He gave me this answer today. After he says this, I want to share some of the things that I was told. Just bring last year. Yeah, I think it's um, anytime you go into a year, you want to do a great job of doing what your players do well, figuring out ways to get the ball into the hands of your playmakers on offense. And, um, whether we had maintained the same offensive system or not, I felt like we needed to do a better job of being able to um, communicate and, and make it, you know, it was too big of a deal was made out the last two years of we're running this pro style offense. It's too hard to learn. That's not the case at all, but I do think we can do a better job of streamlining how we communicate and not have to have Spencer read a wristband with 100 play calls on there as well. You know, if there's a way to communicate better and get plays in, let's do it. So we've looked at that, maybe just trying to minimize some of the terminology. And, and we've always been a team that's, you know, used gone fast and used tempo. So we never want to get away from that. We want to continue to be able to utilize tempo, go fast. So we want to go fast and slow down when we want to slow down. I know Trey Knox said a few weeks ago, we were going to go fast every play and try and wear the defense out. Well, yeah, we want to have the ability to do that. but We don't do that all the time either. And that was the same thing last year. So I think with anything, Mike, it's just, getting the ball to the playmakers and continuing to try and find ways to streamline things to make it easier to communicate. And I think that's the feedback that I've gotten from the players. It's still, they're still pro style elements and it's still complex in a lot of ways. we got to learn how to get lined up and execute, you know, here on day four, that wasn't what we needed it to be. Uh, but uh, let's figure out what we're really, really good at and just continue to build on that and, and get the ball to guys in space where they can just play fast and, and not have to think as much, and but always still be able to run the ball and throw the ball when we need it and be explosive and protect the football, all the things that we talk about. So first off, right, hearing that, first thing I want to say is I appreciate Shane not being an ass when it came to answering the question, right, because he knew what I was trying to do. He knew I was trying to go around and not ask him necessarily directly of, hey, what's the offense going to look like? Because I knew he wasn't going to answer that. So I appreciate him realizing, all right, hey, he's trying to get crafty here. Let's just answer the question, okay? Uh, because it's one that, again, fans want to know. 
Media, of course, wants to know, but this fan base, they want to have an idea of what they can expect. What's this product going to look like? Because after the last two years, again, what Satterfield and the offense was able to accomplish in games like Tennessee and Clemson, and I know there was other ones, but those those two in particular, you want to give credit. Give credit. Give credit to what they did. But at the same time, too, this fan base wants to see something different. They want to see something that's going to rejuvenate this fan base to be able to say, hey, look, you know, the offense, they're freaking clicking. It's a fun product. It's fun to watch. The defense is doing their thing. We understand what special teams is. And if they can continue just to be able to stay close to what they did last year, just close. They don't even have to do what they did last year. They don't have to be the number one uh, team in the country when it comes to special teams efficiency to still be able to put up what they did from a special. Just do it somewhere close. And that's what we've seen over the last two years. So intern Joe, I say all that because over the weekend, from talking to people close to the program, everything that I've been told, and I'm glad that Beamer said it, because everything Beamer said is spot on, okay? And it goes back to what we were talking about before with this offense. Don't expect this offense to be going out. They might be freaking running the wishbone off into the wing tee. I think people would lose their freaking minds. I don't even want to know what the hell. Triple option. Yeah, you know, <laughs> go back to uh, Vince Lombardi's offenses at Green Bay when they would just call it uh, their plays green, blue, yellow, and they're just freaking running like a wing tee. But it's simple. It's simple. Guys aren't thinking nearly as much. They're just going out there, and they're able to play. And I think being able – to just have these players go out there and play. We, how many times did we say that last year? How many times did we say that? It's not dumbing it down to the point that you have a friggin' pop one or offense out there. It's pro style still. There's a lot of tags. There's a lot of language that goes on to it that's a little bit more than you would have in some other playbooks if they weren't pro style. That's all that is. And, to be, and having Rattler play in a pro style offense last year it helps a lot of that lingo. You mentioned it. You mentioned it before. You were spot on. The fact that you have an offensive coordinator and logins that comes from an offensive pro-style set, right? He comes in. A lot of that lingo was similar to what Satterfield used because there was a crossover. Joe Brady. Joe Brady with New Orleans, right? Satterfield, New Orleans. There was all these connections, and that's where Dow got a lot of this lingo, or at least heard a lot of this lingo. That's why I feel like that transition is going to be easier. But again, they're simplifying things. And guys right now, oh my goodness. Again, talking to people that are talking with these players and having an opportunity to talk to some of these players directly myself, they love this. They love this. And they also love how Loggins is going about things. If things get screwed up, Loggins is the first one to say, hey, my bad. Hey, let's do this. You know, this is what I told you to do. This is doing that. If someone screws up, though, he's very direct, and he coaches them right on the spot. He'll coach them out on the uh, in, in the meeting rooms, too, right? But like he, the way he does things in turn, Joe, he does it with a very hands-on approach. Mm-hmm. And these players are quickly buying into that style. Yeah, Mike. And, I mean, I don't know if you got the chance to listen to Spencer and Juice Wells' interview with – um, Taylor Lewan and, and Will Compton over there. A little but, bit. And that's why I said the tagging part, like with tagging, yep, you know, like yep. a lot of that NFL lingo. Yep, yep. 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 And that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me, right? Because when Spencer was, he was comparing, you know, his time here and the offense here to what it was at Oklahoma. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me was he said when he was at Oklahoma, it was spread, you know, the play calls were, it were they were two words versus now, you know, he's got like a 10 or 11 
word play call. And he said, you know, he feels like it's preparing him for the pros because it is, you know, it is a really pro style offense and it's, a, you know, it's complex, but at the same time, it's not, it really, you know, isn't they, they're gonna, I mean, the basis of this offense hasn't always will be, you know, get your playmakers a ball and let them go do some things, right? Like that's always been the philosophy under Beamer. And, you know, that's always what he's wanted his offense to look like. And I think Dowell's on the same page. And you're right, Mike, I've heard really good things about how, you know, Dowell's coaching style is too. Um, you know, every everyone has said that, you know, he he's a really good coach when it comes to, you know, correcting errors and stuff. He'll be direct. And it yep. falls in line. The biggest thing with that is like it falls in line with everything that Shane has been preaching and everything that his program has been about. Right. Like I know a lot of people, you know, question the hire at first and it's like, why the heck are we, you know, hiring this guy? Well, I mean, now we're seeing more and more. I mean, we saw it with recruiting, right? Like it was such a big piece. Like, you know, we've seen the recruiting aspect side of Dowell. Now we're seeing the coaching side of Dowell, right? Like the interior, how he coaches guys up and whatnot and being direct, being honest and coaching guys up right on the spot. And, you know, that was one big thing that Shane's always been about. He's like, I'm not going to lie to guys. I'm not going to, you know, tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to be direct going to be honest with you and you know we're going to try to you know do the best for each other and whatnot and I think that's you know another reason why Dowell fits and you know that's another reason why Dowell is here um and you know I think the the last thing Mike and we've been talking about it like the last thing that is left for Dowell to kind of prove himself is his offense come you know opening opening weekend game Mm -hmm. one um and that's I mean he's checking every single box leading up towards that right the coaching style like we said the recruiting like we said, I think, you know, Dowell, he's, he's checking every box and passing with flying colors so far. And I mean, everybody inside the building is well, very, the honeymoon phase, right? It's yeah, the honeymoon exactly. phase. It, is. it really is. And, and it's like, and when I say that, I say that I'm not trying to be the wet blanket. And I think this is a yeah. good point by big red. And I want to hit on that. Cause I think it's, it's a good point that he brought up. I'm not trying to be the wet blanket, but I think we all know. Right, we all know that ultimately, and we've said this for months. Intergio, how many times have you and I talked about it going back to the hire in December? Right, everything that we've heard from a recruiting standpoint to the meshing with the players and yep. uh, building relationships quickly with the guys that were already there, the Spencer Rattlers of the world, or having communication with recruits like the Dante Reynolds or whoever the hell it may be. He's done all that. Okay, he's done a great job. And the reality is this. That's part of the job. That's the reason. That's one of the. That's one of the many reasons why Beamer brought him in here. Now, you look at this. Could Sat? This is from our good friend Big Red. Could Sat running a pro style make it easier for Loggins to build the program? Now, one thousand percent. Yep. One thousand percent. Now, this goes back. This goes back to early December. Okay, I think it may have been the second week of December. And I put a report out there on Gamecock Central that a big, big part in determining whether or not Spencer Rattler was coming back based on conversations I had with people that were close with Rattler in the situation was going to be dictated based on who South Carolina was able to hire as an offensive coordinator. And I think when people saw that, instantly they think, okay, they have to have a big name hire. Right, it has to be a big time offensive coordinator name. They have to bring this person in in order for Rattler to want to stick around. Well, you see how things have kind of played out now, right? And like you mentioned, intern Joe, when the initial hire was made, I think there was some pushback from this fan base, 
I think there were some questions from this fan base. But as we've seen things play out, mentioning the recruiting and all that stuff, but specifically talking X's and O's, just where we are in time. We can't look ahead to August yet. We can't look ahead to week one, week two. That will play out. That will play out. We'll have plenty of time to break all that down and, you know, whether this was good. We'll have plenty of time to do all that. Okay, there'll be a time and place for that. But based on where we are today, on Tuesday, March 21st, hearing everything we've heard about the offense and hearing how Rattler has been able to adapt and going back to what you mentioned with him on that podcast recently with Busting with the Boys, mm-hmm. he understands this lingo, a lot of it, because of the situation that he was in last year. Nope. So no one's saying that you have to send a Christmas card to the Satterfields. Okay? No, no one's saying that you got to do that. Okay, I think they're, they're nice people, though. But a lot of what took place last year, not just with Rattler, but with this offensive line, with these wide receivers, with this offense, the guys that are back, even the guys that didn't play last year, they have that understanding of this terminology. And I yeah. think it's going to help them out that I much agree. more as they adjust to a new coaching system, a system, a new offensive philosophy, a new playbook, a new voice in that offensive room so that they can just go out there and just play. Don't get me wrong. Things will get tough at times. Things aren't going to go perfect. You know, shit will hit the fan at times. They'll have to go back to the drawing board and be able to make adjustments. But I, I, I don't think that learning curve, I don't say, I think it'll still be there, but I think they're going to be able to adapt a little bit easier now because they have that experience of being in uh, an offense with similar lingo. Yeah. And I mean, last year we heard how complex Satterfield's offense was. Right. So, I mean, again, I think playing to that point of how it helps, I think, you know, it's very true. It, It does help because you're going from one complex system you know, to the next, I don't think there's really any any changeover, really. And it's, again, the guys that are returning, they're used to, you know, playing in, in a system that's this complex, and they're used to preparing for a system that's this complex. It's not really, you know, something entirely new. But granted, like, obviously, like, the, the, the plays themselves are new, but the lingo and, and how it's structured and, and the play calls and stuff like that is, you know, relatively the same thing. And I, I agree with completely with big red like i think you know it and it translates and i think that's also why shane wanted to go out and get another pro style offensive coordinator i think that was the mission the whole time right because you know head coaches really you know sometimes you'll see when when they bring in a new offensive coordinator they'll run something entirely different but i mean in college to me to have success continuously you have to you know, keep the momentum going. You have to continue in the same path that your predecessor did in terms of style and whatnot. And granted, like some some situations, there there is need of like a big change. But I think this one, you when you have a guy oh, like yeah. Dowell who's been in the pros forever, you know, that's it's it's just a, it's a no brainer, right? Um, you give another guy a chance to to make make his impact. And again, Dowell has worked with some really 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 good players in the NFL. And so I think by giving him a chance to, you know, leave his mark, I think it's, 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 it can only be beneficial, right? Mike, like when you grab another guy that is pro style, it, it just, it translates. It really does. And again, like I said, it's the biggest thing I, I took from the busting with the boys thing is that, you know, these guys are comfortable in, in Dowell's offense. They're ready to go. And it was because in part, because Satterfield ran a pro style offense last year. And now no, I no think- question about it. 
And I think Dowell now Dowell seems a little bit more on top of things. And again, we're in the honeymoon phase. So we don't know, right? We, we don't know. But um, again, since we're in the honeymoon phase, it does seem that Dowell is a little bit more comfortable with the play calling and everything, but we, we haven't seen it yet. So we, we really don't know, but no, Mike, I mean, long story short, like it's, it, it's definitely a benefit. Of course it is because, you know, it's the same lingo, same style of offense. Um, but there's reasons there's multiple yes. layers. It's not, exactly. again, it's not just, this isn't, this isn't like you're playing, you know, the old NCAA, uh, 14, since they haven't made an NCAA game in years or you're playing Madden or whatever, right? You just go out there and you make the yeah. big splashy hire, or you create this offensive coordinator who came from it. No. Okay. This isn't a video yeah. game. There's multiple layers. And with what we've seen South Carolina able to do in the first two years under Shane Beamer. Just like a puzzle. You look at everyone that's been on that staff, okay? Obviously, the Satterfield thing, how that played out, okay. But again, I wouldn't call it a complete failure because there were still a lot of good things that happened last year. And because of what took place, especially at the end, you were able to parlay that into one of the best recruiting classes you've had in over a decade. And on top of that, it played out to a point where he left on his own. You have a new offensive coordinator in here that has a background with that same lingo, and he's going to be able to turn it into his own. He's going to put his own isms in, as we say in the TV business, right? You know, yeah. someone might write up a script for you, right? And before you go out there, you put your own isms on it, okay? He has an opportunity to look at a script that's kind of already been written up, in a sense. When I say script, I'm not talking gameplay script, right? He's not going to go out there and do the first 10 plays, 12 plays of the game. This is going to be that. That's how someone's going to take it, what I was going to say. But he's going to be able to make it his own. And obviously, he's going to bring in his own playbook. But, you know, he has a foundation because of what was going on here offensively before he arrived here. Now, I know we spent a good portion of the show talking about that, but I think it's that important to bring up because, again, we're four days into practice, four days. I mean, we're weekend, but four practices in since they have 15. Yep. And where this offense is right now, I think that's something a lot of people want to know. A lot of people want to know. We'll have an opportunity from a media standpoint to be back out there at practice. It'll be the second time that we've been at practice. We'll have that opportunity on Thursday, Thursday morning. That is a 9-10 practice it is open to the media from periods one through six. The last time we were there in turn, Joe, which was for practice one, we were there for six periods, but it's, you know, it's helmets. You're not really going to be able to see anything. But on top of that, in true Beamer fashion, they led things off on the first day of practice with doing a lot of special teams and breaking the stations of it. And then, you know, the quarterbacks around the other side. So hopefully, hopefully, I don't expect us to really see too much of the offense, but hopefully at least be able to see Rattler and some of these QBs, even if it's throwing on air, at least seeing something, you know, at least something. I just want to see something with this offense just to be able to say, okay, huh, all right, that looks pretty, you know, how comfortable does Rattler look out there? We're not going to be able to get a full view of that until the spring game most likely, but – um. I'm excited to see what, what direction it's at least heading in. And so far, again, from all the reviews, and I'll tell you what, these players as well, they think this is an offense that can put up a lot of points this year. That was That's a, that's a direct quote from one of the starters who told me the other day. 
They feel like they can put up a lot of points in this offense. They're feeling very, very good four days in, four, four practices in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And again, morale has always been a big thing for this program. So I'm not surprised one bit, you know, um, when, when the morale is, is high, you know, everything else is around the program. So um, to be, to have the morale where it is at this point, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, and it's spring ball, you know, it's, it's the start of something new and you have your sights, you're, you're honing in your sights on what you want for next year before, you know, the grind of summer ball comes in. This is when it's fun, Mike, this is when it's, you know, you really can, you know, hype yourself up and, and really, you know, have fun out there really before, you know, summer ball, it gets into the nitty gritty of things. But I mean, this is the best time of the year if you're, you know, a college football player, minus the fact before you start the season, like the week or two before you start the season in fall camp and whatnot. But I mean, spring ball is fun. But Mike, I did want to get to one question before we hit the ads here um, from Top Game Cop. Is it crazy to think Dontavia Braswell is going to be a spark? Offers from Bama, Oregon, Penn State, 10.7, 200-meter dash. I'm looking forward to find out. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be able to watch him. And it goes back to the commitment video that we put out for him when he uh, made his commitment to South Carolina, his verbal commitment going all the way back to the summer, I believe. He is a guy that has speed. He is a guy that's going to put some weight on. You know, I always look at a high school player when they come out, and the first thing I can, you know, nine times out of ten, if not, you know, pretty much all of them, first thing that you recognize is they, I mean, they could they could add some some easy muscle on them. You know, and a lot of that weight is in the legs. A lot of that weight's in the legs because now you're in a real strength and conditioning program. And that's no disrespect to any high school strength and conditioning coaches or any of these strength and conditioning coaches that these high school players are training with on the side. But, I mean, I can tell you just from going through it myself, I had a high school strength and conditioning coach. I had a strength and conditioning coach on the side who played Division One and played um, arena football and all that. You're not doing it every day. It's not the same in comparison to when you're in college and you're in lifting, you know, at 6 a.m. or if it's out of season, whatever the case may be, and you're doing it four or five times a week, depending on what the strength and conditioning program and how it's laid out in that schedule. So I say that because he's a young man that has speed, but he's going to gain power. He's going to gain power. Juju is a smaller running back, but because of his skill set, he doesn't necessarily need to be huge i mean he's gonna put some muscle on he's gonna put need to put some more muscle on this year if he wants to get some more touches um but braswell i mean braswell i I just feel like as a guy again freshman year it's totally the expectations in right let's bring him down a little bit um but he's gonna be walking into a golden golden opportunity just because of the situation they have currently at running back intern Joe, we're going to continue the conversation, but let's take a quick time out so we can hit some ads. Absolutely. You want to lead things off with our good friends at Liberty tax? Yeah, absolutely. Mike, Mike, as you know, as well as I do, it is tax season. And this show is brought to you by our friends at Liberty tax. Tax anxiety is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty tax in Irmo Lexington and Columbia will walk you through the process clear up any confusion and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time, Mike. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing 
Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals in your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Their number is 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576. Give them a call for all of your tax needs. Mike, you want to talk about our good friend, Clint Hammond? Absolutely. Clint Hammond over at the Mortgage Network. They have been a longtime sponsor of GC Live and big supporters of Gamecock Central. Clint has been in the game since 2003, and he is a guy that – Loves his Gamecocks, but he also loves being able to help people in need in this area. And he has done an outstanding job over the last nearly two decades now. So, look, our good friend, Barry Orth, former Gamecock quarterback, when he needed to be able to buy a home, he turned to Clint Hammond. We know Wes Mitchell. He did this exact same. Be able to do what they did by giving Clint a call over at the Mortgage Network at 803-576-4450. He'll make your life a hell of a lot easier. That's not the exact like slogan for them, but he'll make it a hell of a lot easier. It should be. That's how Clint Morgan, absolutely, Clint Hammond, number above us, gets things yeah. done. Yes, there it is, right there right again. Above us, they've done an outstanding job. Intern Joe, as we continue to move things along here with this program, um, there's going to be some things I just want to hit on about the offense. We don't have to spend obviously nearly as much time as we did talking about the. Uh, Nearly as much time about the um, offensive coordinator change and just what the offensive style is going to look like. But there are some things I do want to bring up, one of them being Luke Doty. Yeah. And I asked Luke the other day because I, I feel like – and Joyner, I just did a story today on Gamecock Central about Joyner talking about local players and how he's big with telling them, hey, look, you stay at home. You're a local guy. Look what I did. Okay? Look what I did. And look how I've been able to turn that. And he didn't specifically say it, uh, but it was, you know, you, you you could you can insinuate what you're trying to say, which is based on the character, the hard work, doing whatever he's been asked to do at South Carolina, he's been able to parlay that into huge, huge NIL opportunities. Okay. Yep. And as we all know, congratulations once again to to carry on and his girlfriend welcoming their baby girl recently that's been able to make that process a hell of a lot easier too right yep. diapers cribs all that kind of stuff a lot of that a lot of that was taken care of because of nil money so i bring that up and i'm not saying that every kid that comes to south carolina needs to have a child when they're you know <laughs> going through this process but the point yeah. being is because dk went about things in such a professional manner he did things the right way he represented not just himself, but the state in a very positive manner. Those first five seasons as he heads into season six with USC, he's been able to put himself in a position now where he's been able to capitalize off of that through NIL. You look at a guy like Luke Doty. Okay. Luke Doty has been getting a lot of NIL opportunities as well. And I bring up those two players in particular because those are two local guys, two local guys. They've done things the right way. We've seen the impact that Shane Beamer and this coaching staff, staff have, has had on in-state recruiting, especially last year, but you're also seeing it this year. 
right? You've been able to land two of the top four prospects. The two other guys that are in that bunch right now, according to the RPM on, on three, South Carolina is the favorite to land those two. So I bring that up because, again, guys like Doty, guys like Joyner, we don't know what's going to happen with Joyner's situation as far as where is he going to play, running back, is he going to start, is he going to be a back? But the point being is I definitely feel like those two guys, and you can mention the Alex Huntleys of the world, but those two guys are perfect examples of what can happen in a positive manner when you're a local guy, you do things the right way, it can lead to some big NIL opportunities. Yeah, Mike, I'm glad you brought up both of those guys because those two guys, I mean, we've talked about what DK can do offensively and the, the DK sets and whatnot. And like, that's going to be really, really fun to see what, what Dowell does with him in the offense. But I mean, you bring up Doty too. And I think DK and, and Doty both go together hand in hand because of their impact off the field. Um, and when, when they're not playing necessarily, you know, two guys that are so, so, so key to this team in terms of leadership and how they hold themselves and just in the locker room, um, you know, two guys that really, really, really are, you know, a big, like I said, a big part of the team because of how they handle themselves. And, and Doty is a perfect example of the character. And so is DK, um, you know, and they both shout out Garnet Trust. We've got the ticker below. DK is a Garnet Trust athlete. I think Luke is too as well, Mike, I believe. I'm not entirely sure about that. But um, anyways, no, I mean, I think, you know, Luke's handled himself really, really, really well, um, especially in the media and everything and sticking around it. And, you know, my favorite quote from him was um, when, you know, his parents asked him, would you want to go to school there even if you weren't playing ball? And he said, yes. And I think that, you know, I mean, I think that's huge. And I think that's how it should be for every, every kid in college sports. Um, You know, my little brother, he's playing lacrosse up there at at Rutgers right now. Mm -hmm. And that was a big factor in his recruitment. You know, I, we, I asked him and we we were all asking him, it's like, would you want to go here if if you weren't playing ball? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, so I I think that's such a big thing. And I think, you know, Dicarion is showing that, you know, and he's, he's getting the love reciprocated from the community and through NIL. And so is Luke, um, both of those guys by being outstanding members of the team and the community and just, you know, doing their part and playing their role. I think it's, it's huge because, um, you know, they're, they're able to do things for themselves while also, you know, benefiting the team. And it's just two guys that are unsung heroes, really, really, really great leaders. Um, and Shane, talked about it in length about how pivotal those guys are and you know again last year we didn't see as much dk as we you know had wanted but we didn't see luke at all really because of spencer but i mean it's 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 just that thing mike right you need leaders on the team and you need guys that aren't necessarily going to play but are still there in the years picking guys up on the sidelines and still leaders you know when it comes to the locker room and stuff like that i think a lot of people on this team especially the young guns um, look up to those two guys and, and and by them leading by example, it sets the tone, um, you know, for this program going forward. And you need guys like that, especially early on in a, in a program, right? We're entering year three of the Beamer regime and, you know, to have guys like that, that are willing to stick around through, you know, adversity. Like we've, I mean, there's been plenty of talk is, is Doty going to transfer? When is he going to transfer? Is he going to transfer? No. Um, you know, to have a guy like, that that's going to stick it out because he loves the program and he loves what everything inside the building is, is 
got going for it. I think it, it speaks volumes um, to what everything this program is about and what everything that they're doing inside the building. If, if you, if you're catching my drift there, Mike, you want to, you want to feel old intern Joe. I mean, I don't know how old it'll make you feel it'll probably make some other people uh, like myself um, feel old with all this. So Joyner's heading into his sixth season. And for those of you that need a reminder as to why that's the case, he redshirted early in his career and then because of the COVID-19 season in 2020, every player received an extra year of eligibility. Joiner is exercising that opportunity to play an additional year. So instead of doing five years because of that redshirt year, he has the opportunity to do six. So I say that because <laughs> J.C. Horn was a freshman when, De- when Joiner came in <laughs> as a freshman. Josh Van was a freshman as well, a true freshman. Like, I'm looking at the roster here. Debo Samuel was a redshirt senior. Here's my favorite one. Here's my favorite one. Michael Skarnecchia was a redshirted senior on that team. (laughs) So I bring all this up. I bring all this up more so to poke fun at the fact of how long (laughs) Joyner has been there. But it also goes to show you, right, you think back to 2018. You think back, and I know people don't want to remember that season. Uh, or at least how it ended, of course, with the with the with the belt bowl. But I bring that up to remind folks just the roller coaster, not just of Joiner's career, because that's not even talking about 2019 and Ryan Holinsky coming here, and then you have another coaching change when it comes offensive court, like all that moving pieces, like all those moving pieces. It's more so just to highlight the fact that Joiner has truly seen this program go up and down, right? He arrives in 2018. 2017, they were riding off a high because the year prior, can't believe it was this is this is how long Joyner's been there. The year prior, the year before Joyner arrived, Hayden Hurst was still playing here. Okay. So I bring all that up because what took place in 2017 and being able to win that Outback Bowl, the program, and I remember covering SEC Media Days. And the hype going into that following season. Yeah, you were losing some key players, but you had Debo back. You do that, and then the next year, Joyner comes in. They don't go to necessarily a a big bowl game. They end up going to the belt bowl, and then it just ends poorly. Okay? Ends poorly. And that was the turning point in the Muschamp era. Uh, not being able to take that next step, not being able to turn that Outback Bowl victory in that season into a little bit more. So I, I bring that up again to highlight truly how much of a roller coaster it has been for Joyner, okay, in terms of just watching from a team standpoint. Never mind the personal roller coaster in his own life, which he's mentioned going back to the Duke's Mayo Bowl after being named MVP. And how close he was from not just walking away from USC and from football, but walking away from football altogether. He comes back for a sixth year. Just welcome his little baby girl into the world. Been able to land more NIL deals. I mean, he's like the Shaquille O'Neal of Columbia. I don't know if I could say that because Don Staley is uh, popping up on every commercial during March Madness. <laughs> with his son. Uh, she's given Charles Barkley and Samuel L. Jackson a run for their money this, uh, this, this postseason. But again, again, it just, it just 
speaks to everything that he's done the right way and he's been rewarded for it. Uh, intern Joe, moving from that, though, moving from that, is there anything in particular about this defense that has stood out to you? Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to go back in some of the sound bites, but anything that has stood out to you from some of the things we've heard? Uh, not necessarily, Mike. I mean, compared to the offense, I think this defense has been relatively quiet, if that makes sense. You know, they haven't been in the headlines. It hasn't been as much talking points. And I think that's exactly how Clayton White wants it. I think, you know, he wants it to be, he doesn't want the focus to be, oh my gosh, the South Carolina defense is going to be so, 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 so good. Like world beaters. Do you feel confident for you? Right. And I I don't know how, how some people in the comment section may feel. So let us know. Tori and Gray. He is someone that we've we've yep. asked Beamer about. We asked Clayton White last week because of the job he's done in two years at South Carolina. You think about the players he's helped develop, right? Cam Smith was on his way regardless. But the Darius Rushers yep. of the world, even the Jalen Fosters going into his senior year, the Carlins Patels that come in here, and now you're seeing Marcellus Dial, um, um, <laughs> Fortune, right? I want to keep just saying OD fortune. Um, but then you also just think of how he's been able to help develop guys like DQ Smith and Nick Eamon Worry. And I bring this up because is it is it because you feel confident that the secondary will kind of take care of itself and then it's more so just filling the pieces at edge? Or, you know, walk me through why you feel maybe the defense isn't having as much like, oh, you know, people are as concerned. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a concern thing because um, there is a lot of trust that, you know, Clayton White is going to figure it out. And there aren't as many, you know, front runners for jobs um, necessarily either. Like offensively, there's a bunch of different options. And it's exciting to talk about an offense when you have that many weapons. Now, defensively, it's more of holes and it's like where they got to fill it. And I think it's, you know, so early on that you can't really – guests or whatnot, but I, the, the chatter that I have heard has been all positive about Tori and Gray. I saw the, um, the quote from Beamer about um, the whiteboard and when he walks in the meetings and how it's all blown up and everything. And I, I love that. But I mean, I think, you know, it's so early on that right now, um, especially on defense where it changes positions change a lot more like offensively, you want to have your guys and then, you know, roll with them defensively. You, you get a little bit more of a rotation and um, you're able to, play a lot more different guys in different spots. Um, you know, one guy has a bad week. Maybe you give another guy a different look. Um, but, I mean, I think it's it's a little too early to talk about – I mean, it's not. It's never too early to talk about who, who potentially is going to take some of these open jobs. But I think, you know, in terms of setting anything in stone, it's way too early, especially at that edge spot like you brought up. But, I mean, the, the chatter that has been around it has been around Torian Gray and these DBs. And, you know, it's a fresh crop. Of, of DBs, right? You saw what Cam Smith, Darius Rush, um, and you're right. Cam Smith was going to get his regardless. Um, but I think also, like now you have that next crop, and Darius Rush was a perfect example of one of those guys that Torian Gray kind of brought along and, and made, you know, Dar- he made Darius Rush, you know, who he is. And granted, Rush was already on that track before the Beamer staff got here, but Torian Gray elevated his play a whole heck of a lot. And so yep. I, I think. You know, it is very exciting, especially out in that secondary and especially with the reputation that the secondary has after producing what wherever Cam Smith and Darius Rush go. I mean, both of them are going to get picked and both of them are going to turn into tremendous pros in my eyes. But I think, 
you know, it, it continues the legacy, right? Israel Mukwamu, Stefan Gilmore. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, so I think that's obviously where the focus is always going to be with this defense. Um, and then, you know, until, uh, you know, they get – and the linebackers is one thing that I, I don't think is getting talked about enough. Um, and I, I don't think it, it ever does get talked about enough in this defense, and especially last year just because of how hurt some different guys were and whatever. And, you know, it – when, but I think this year might change that with when you have some consistency because that's one position on the defense you do want that consistency like like offense does have uh, you know at linebacker you really 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 want to want to have at least your mic um, and I would assume that would be Mo Kaba, but um, it's it's just too early to call I guess Mike if if you're catching what I'm saying here is like you know in terms of these position battles once we get into fall or into into summer camp I think we'll be able to you know kind of pinpoint okay this guy's a favorite. And, We'll see a little bit more in the spring game too. I think, you know, we'll, we'll be able to narrow the list down, but in terms of like that edge spot and in terms of linebacker, um, there are just a lot of guys in the field right now. That well, are- let's go back. Let's, let's, let's go back. Let's go yeah. back um, to, to, to defensive back. Cause you, we brought that up because yeah. I, I think you bring up a good point about edge and the D line. But one thing I do want to hit on that we mentioned with the defensive backs and this is something that White had mentioned, you know, that they're really grinding out Marcella's style, and he's getting a lot better. O'Donnell Fortune, okay? Yep. He's been a guy that White said he's a changed man. Like, he's, he's, he's really changed like how he's gone about things and his game and everything. So you think of those two guys in particular. We have another welcome home as we're at it. Yep, just saw that from Beamer. Yep. Yep. Um, so you have that. You have – Emery Floyd, you have Judge Collier, you have Isaiah Norris, you have some of these young guys too in the mix. And then you think about obviously the other position, you know, specifically talking about cornerback, but and then you know, fell in that void of um Spalding in there in the mix too with Nickel, but specifically speaking about corner. DQ Smith, the what he brings to the table. And then again, like I've said, keep friggin' Nick even worry at safety. Don't be playing this game of moving him around okay keep him there but this goes into now what i wanted to talk about intern joe as you mentioned with the edge okay white said this the other day about where they need to get better he said quote starting with the run defense tackles for a loss and sacks those are things that we addressed last tuesday as a defense we're gonna find ways to get it done and ultimately we want to win football games in the end I went back and I looked. South Carolina allowed nearly 200 yards rushing per game last season. That was the 15th worst in FBS in 2022. Yep. There are 57 tackles for a loss. That was the 11th fewest in the country. And then they ranked 110th for sacks. So I bring that point up to go now to edge, as you brought that that up. Yeah, a lot of different positions on defense Donovan Westmoreland has been jumping back and forth between the linebacker room and the edge room. That is a guy to keep a name, keep an eye on. Remember that name. Remember that name. Because if South Carolina needs to add depth at edge, and they feel like he is a guy that can make more of an impact there than the linebacker room, especially with the talent that they've brought at linebacker, I would not be shocked to see him there. And if he is, he is a guy that can get after the quarterback. He is a guy that can help you fix some of those numbers so that you're not bottom 
of the barrel. You're not in the basement when it comes to tackles for a loss in sacks. It can help free up some guys around him as well if guys are getting, you know, he's getting double team in turn, Joe. So that's one of the yep. names I wanted to bring up with Edge. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a great, um, you know, great, great name. I think, again, the Edge competition is wide open. I think Jordan Strawn is a favorite once that I believe it's finished, right? It's it's done. It's signed, sealed, delivered. That he's coming back. It's it's done, right, Mike? It's look at everything that we've been told, and as Beamer alluded to, everything looks like it's good to go. I mean, there's some other guys. I know Turbo Miller. He's yep. going through the process right now, where they're still waiting on an official word. Um, but yes, as far as far as Strawn is concerned. Yes. So he's the early favorite, right? And we saw what he could do before he got hurt. And I mean, the kid is a killer, right? They call him stretch for a reason. Like that guy has so much length. It's ridiculous. And I mean, I think obviously he's an early favorite, but that edge position is wide open. Tyreek Johnson is another one. Top game talk brought him up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, edge, I mean, we could see anything. I think the defensive tackle spots are, you know, pretty locked in with Boogie Huntley and Tonka. But that's also another position you see a lot of rotation at, you know, um, especially if a team is going, you know, quickly. We saw that. We'll see that from Tennessee. Um, but, I mean, it'll be Boogie Huntley and, and, and Tonka Hemingway most likely up there up front um, at D-tackle um, is what I'm what I'm predicting. And, again, like the edge, you really don't know um, what they're going to do on edge. I'm, I'm assuming, and I think this is also in stone, that, that Nick Harbour is going to play solely – um, offense, uh, Big Red brought it up as a question. Will they have guys that go both ways? I think currently you don't necessarily need to because you have mm -hmm. weapons at every spot. Um, it, it would be different if, you know, say, knocking on wood here, hopefully this doesn't happen. But if, if it were to come down to a, to a spot where, you know, it, it came like the tight end room um, last year where you lost a couple guys to injury. And granted, they lost a couple guys to the portal too. But, I mean, if, if you lost a decent chunk of guys to injury, then you might see some guys going both ways. But, I mean, right now it's an embarrassment of riches for this defense and offense, offensively too, really. Um, the defense is more of – there's a lot of guys you can see stepping up. And mm -hmm. the edge position is – the perfect example for that. And like I said, I'm, I'm stretch should be the guy going forward. And I, I, I think he's full go Um, everything that I've heard. He's, he's been full go or not necessarily in practice, but like he, he should be full go for the season, like ready mm -hmm. to go the stretch of old. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And again, linebacker, you, you would think it's Mo Caba, Debo Williams is going to compete, but yeah, once Mo gets back in the mix, I mean, Mo yep. right now, and you know, just to remind people, Mo is limited this spring yep. and because of that situation, some other in injuries, Stone Blanton has been the guy that's been going with the ones and he has yep. a golden, golden opportunity to be able to really earn some serious playing time. I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I appreciate that because like, I, I, I honestly kind of forgot. Um, I knew he was limited. I wasn't sure how limited, but I mean, Mo and, and Debo Williams and guys like that who showed, and we talked about it last week, Mike, there are a bunch of guys on this defense that showed potential last season, right? There are a bunch of guys that, you know, showed spurts and, and showed that glimpse of, okay, this guy's going to be a dog next year. And we talked about the mental side of things, right? Like preparing like a starter, it's going to be really interesting. And I think, you know, Mo's one of those guys who, who showed what he could do last year when he was healthy. I think, you know, it's once, once he does get back into the mix and he's ready to go, I think, you know, he's going to be given the opportunity to compete for that first spot because, you know, it, 
before he got hurt, it was his. It was he was playing, you know, true Mike linebacker, all that and more. Um, but again, I, I'm glad you brought up Blanton too because Blanton's another guy that played a whole heck of a lot last year, and it shows too how important he is to this football team because. If he wasn't important to this football team, he wouldn't be, or he'd be playing baseball right now. Like it, he came in originally, you know, planning on playing both sports. And now, I mean, he was on the full baseball roster, Mike. And then, mm-hmm. you know, things happened and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, now he's strictly football. Um, and I had talked to the, some of the baseball guys. I'm like, so what's up with this? Like he was on the fall, fall baseball roster. And they're like, yeah, I mean, they need him over at football more than we need him here. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think that goes to show you how how important Blanton is to this defense, and it's it's. Oh, Blanton, really, and as and as really Blanton, and as Beamer mentioned before, Blanton was dealing with the shoulder injury towards yeah, the end of last season, yep. and we were we wrote about that just mm-hmm. last week on Gamecock Central, and he wanted to be able to get that thing healed yep. as well as continue to build a strong foundation with football. And Baseball's got plenty of guys to, too, and he's been able to make the most out of his opportunity because, as we mentioned, there's been injuries and whatnot, and he's had a chance to get. Right in there uh, with the ones during the spring to start. Before we wrap things up, you mentioned yeah. it before. A little while ago, Shane Beamer tweeted a welcome home. That is a different welcome home that he that he tweeted mm-hmm. uh, from earlier. I guess you could say over the weekend. Uh, now that it's Tuesday, you lose track of days after March Madness. Josiah Thompson, okay? Josiah Thompson, earlier today announced that he will be making his decision. He told on three that he will be making his commitment on April 11th at 9 a.m. in Dillon. Six foot five, excuse me, just under six foot seven, 275 pounds. South Carolina is currently the leader, according to on three's recruiting prediction machine. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Miami are also in the mix. I bring that up, okay, because, again, Nothing has been made official, but I also wanted people to be aware that this is, there was a separate welcome home tweet from a couple days ago. There was a separate one. We had one today and the one from a couple days ago. But on top of that, smacked right in the middle of all this, Josiah Thompson announced earlier today that he will be making his commitment. If South Carolina is able to land this offensive tackle, number one, you want to talk about and I know they're not doing this because, you know, Johnny346 on Twitter or, you know, whoever the hell uh, Johnny Bananas on uh, the the message board on Gamecock Central that they're griping saying, you know, we need, you know, offensive linemen. You know, they're not listening to a, a, a couple a offensive linemen getting ready yeah. to commit. But the fact that USC has done such a phenomenal job, phenomenal job already with attacking recruiting when it comes to being able to pick up offensive linemen, the fact that they're in a position, a position, regardless of what the RPM saying on three, okay, regardless of that, the fact that they're in a position to land a player of this caliber, a player that, again, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Miami, you have schools like that that are also on his top six. It speaks volumes, number one, of what USC is doing, the fact that they're able to grab his attention. But number two, it shows the fact that they can recruit against the big boys. And if they're able to pull this one off, okay, if they're able to pull this one off, he is the number four offensive tackle right now in the class of 2024. And that's the industry ranking on on three. That takes every recruiting database 
puts them all together, and gives you an average. That goes to show you how talented he is. And, oh, by the way, he's also the number two rated player in South Carolina. USC's already landed commitments from, verbal commitments, of course, since they can't sign until December, from the number one rated player in South Carolina and the number three rated player in South Carolina. They are the favorites so far to land Josiah Thompson. They are the favorites to land. I believe it's the number four player from South Carolina. I just want to make sure I pull that up correctly and I have that. Um, yes. Calvin Hunter, safety from West Florence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Josiah Thompson, number two in the state. USC, front runner, according to On3's recruiting, to, uh, recruiting prediction machine. Cam Pringle, number one player in the state. Offensive tackle, number three in the country for his position. Already committed to South Carolina. Maziel Bennett. And they officially switched him over to a receiver. He's not an athlete anymore. Number three in the state. USC has been doing a good job, Joe. They have a good opportunity to be able to to land Josiah Thompson. And, uh, again, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But there's two welcome homes already. And, again, Thompson smack dad right right in between. Smack dad right in between. These two welcome homes, he announces that he's making his commitment. You have to be feeling good if you're a Gamecock fan. Yeah, Mike, exactly. And, I mean, you know, this spring is very, very important um, because, obviously, this you, you know as well as I do, but um, good fr- our good friend Dylan Stewart is coming visit for the spring game. And he told me last summer that, you know, he would commit before the start of his senior year, so I would expect a commitment this summer. And the fact that he's coming in town for the spring game – and it's one of his last stops on his on his official visits. Um, that gives me a lot of hope. And, you know, so this spring has been very, 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 very good to Beamer and company. And I think it's just going to keep rolling on and 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 on. I mean, it, it just it's it's the momentum is, you know, insane right now. And it's just going to keep growing and building and building and building. And it's I don't see any stop to it, to be honest, Mike. Well, why why should you? Why should you no, feel that no. way? Why should you feel that way? Uh, quick housekeeping notes to make before we wrap things up here as we are over the hour mark. We want to wrap things up. Tomorrow, defensive players will speak with the media at approximately noon. Who those defensive players are, and it's going to happen probably as soon as we sign off here. Um, they will have that list. I'm looking to see if that list has been given yet. And so far it hasn't. So players are to be determined. Uh, They'll probably announce that to us again, as soon as we sign off from this. So if you're listening to this on Gamecock Central's YouTube page or podcast, apologize that we don't have those names, but as of eight Oh nine on Tuesday evening, they do not have the names out yet. Uh, But again, they will speak at noon. It'll be a defensive players. that will be meeting selective defensive players. And on Thursday, Practice number five at 9, 10 a.m. Practice uh, period one through six will be open to the media. So we'll have an opportunity to bring the cameras down there. Hopefully they'll be in pads, full pads that day, uh, to be able to show you guys a little bit of what's going on over there. But we'll also hear later in the day at noon, wide receivers coach Justin Stepp and defensive back coach Torian Gray are scheduled to meet with the media mm-hmm. in the defensive room. And uh, we'll, we'll be able to hear from those guys, you know, it, this is the beauty part of the spring. We have an opportunity to listen to positional coaches. So it's um, 
I'm sure Coach Step will be asked about the rumors about Florida reaching out to him. Uh, I'm sure he'll downplay that. But uh, I'm excited to hear how guys like Eddie Lewis, some of the receivers who um, are either new or some of the younger guys, Landon Sampson in particular, how are they coming along? And we're going to have an opportunity to hear from them. We're also going to be able to hear from Torian, as we mentioned, about how the DBs are doing and how he's been able to get these guys along. So, in turn, Joe, that's pretty much all I have with housekeeping. Anything else you want to yeah. add? Uh, no, not none that I can think of. Um, you know, obviously, tune in on Monday nights. Um, you know, for foul balls. Um, you know, and we'll we'll do a better job of getting out. I think we're going to stick with Tuesday, right, Mike? Um, in terms of this yes. show. Yep. Um, so yeah, well, that should be the the game plan going forward. Um, we'll double check the numbers, make sure it's it's good to go. But as of now, Tuesday night, seven o'clock, talking Tuesdays is going to remain. So um, stick with that. But yeah, Mike, good show tonight, baby. No, it was good stuff. I mean, this is the beauty of it. Spring season. There was obviously a lot of moving pieces in the winter with the transfer portal. Now. But right now, and again, one thing I do want to bring up because of where we are right now. Get ready for more recruits to start coming in the building. Okay, There's going to be more recruits that are going to be coming in over at USC. You're going to have the camps coming up soon. Junior day camps. are like you're, you're, Recruiting is really going to start to pick up. I say all that before we sign off because this is your last day. This is your last day to take advantage of the Gamecock Central spring special. Spring special. If you want to take advantage, do that today. Four months, the next four months for just $10, okay? We mentioned all the recruiting. We mentioned how that's going to be picking up. You're also going to be able to get, I know baseball is struggling right now as we're recording this, but you're also going to be able to get any access to baseball stories. You're also going to be able to get access to what's going on in the transfer portal for South Carolina men's basketball because, as Colin Taylor has said many, many times, it is going to start to pick up. It's going to start. It's already been picking up, but it's really going to start to pick up over these next couple of weeks. You'll have access to all of that in addition to everything that we talk about with Gamecock football. And, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, that women's basketball team, they're pretty freaking good. Heading back to a ninth consecutive Sweet 16th. And it's consecutive because that 2020 season, they didn't have a tournament. So that's why it's nine consecutives tournaments sec uh excuse me sweet 16 apparent tournaments appearances for the sec champs as they're looking to keep their undefeated season alive and uh, they will be playing in greenville this saturday he's intern joe i'm mike you appreciate everyone that listened tonight if you want to go back and listen to the show in its entirety head on over to the gamecock central youtube page where you can also subscribe for free or if you listen to shows on podcast platforms you can head on over wherever you listen to your podcast and type on in Gamecock Central. Be sure to subscribe for free there as well to be able to catch not just this show, but all your favorite Gamecock Central shows. Everyone have yourself a happy Tuesday and a safe rest of the week.